the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and you've tuned into the podcast that is exclusively about animation springing from the world of comic books. Thank you for joining us for episode 31. I'm going to briefly explain the rules. Number one. We're talking comic book animation. I just said that. You should know that already. Number two, I'm a big fan of Marvel Team-Up. DC Comics presents Brave and the Bold, all the old superhero team-up comic books. So every week, it is me and a special guest talking the world of comic book animation. And third, and most important, we got to have fun. Like I said, thank you for joining us for episode 31. This is probably going to be the most challenging episode of the multiverse yet. We're diving into pretty much alien territory for your esteemed host. Yes, folks, we are going to talk anime today, coming from the world of manga. We previously did the Blade episode, but that was more anime based solely on a Marvel comic. This is pure anime. We're going to get right into it, but I'm going to bring on my guest. He is one of the youngest guests I have ever had on the show. Please welcome to the multiverse, Alex. Hi, uh, how's it going? <laughs> I'm not good at intros. <laughs> how's it going? Thank you for joining us for episode 31. Uh, of course. I, I like to talk about anime and, you know, I never really get to talk about it on like online or anything. So, so a um, couple of things. Uh, like I said, we're going to be talking anime based on the word of manga, plus... I thought since, you know, superheroes, comic books, animation was originally designed for a younger audience. Let's bring on a younger viewer to uh, talk anime. Before we get into this, everyone, there's going to be spoilers. Number two, normally I say I don't claim to be an expert, but that's never been truer than this episode. <laughs> I am not familiar hardly at all with anime and manga, so this is going to be definitely a challenge now uh alex we're going to start with you uh do you like comic books in general or are you more a specific anime fan or manga fan i like some comic books i've delved into some comic books but mostly like i'll i'll play like games and stuff that have comic book characters and then i'll like read it stuff about them or i'll watch videos about them like uh, reading a full series i'll mostly go into manga and you think it was uh video games that got you started in it? anything specific with like comic books, yeah, definitely like video games. And then for anime and manga, um, one of my friends had like Naruto discs that had like episodes and then he brought them over and then we watched them. Basically, I would just watch them and repeat. And then eventually I started to watch more and just change like what genres I liked. You probably, uh, <laughs> you're still a kid, so you probably don't pay much attention to this, but a huge debate in the world of comic books right now where some people argue that the American comic book industry is on the way down, but manga is more popular than it's ever been. Do you think uh, you could put into words why is it that uh, manga is so popular, not only globally, but also here in America? I think with manga, I think it's just so popular because there's so many where I feel like right now we have like the two set comic brands, I guess. You talking Marvel and DC or yeah whereas in Japan you have so many different manga companies and they're all producing so many different stories and so many new characters all the time and then you're also having them be made into animes in it people get into the animes and then they'll go and watch or read the manga because sometimes the manga is completely different from the anime depending on the company that makes it and stuff now I think and I could be wrong because like I said I don't have a lot of knowledge I think that Manga doesn't tend to have as many 
legacy characters that have been around 50, 60, 70 years that they keep having to update for the current audience. Yeah. So in anime and manga, there's the big three, which is Bleach, Naruto, and Dragon Ball. Those are like the big main characters that they have. So that's like Goku. Um, that's from Dragon Ball. You have Naruto from Naruto, obviously. And then Bleach has Ichigo, which is like the main characters. That's all the main characters. So, and I don't know how long those have been around, but that's like the anime big three. I don't know if manga really has a big three, so to speak. I think the first time I became aware of anime or manga was I saw the Akira movie years ago. I want to say probably in the 90s. And that's probably the first, my first exposure probably to anything anime or manga. Have you even seen that? No, I haven't even heard of that. (laughs) Yeah, that's before your time. I think that was, I saw it in the 90s, which tells me it probably came out in the late 80s, probably, or 90s. But moving on, uh, of all of them you decided, then looking into this, there's quite a lot out there. We've decided to close in on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. This was your pick. I just, I really like that. I really like JoJo's since I started watching it. And it's really popular. And I figured I'd go something more popular. And I've also read the manga of it, where we could go something where I just started the manga and I don't really know too, too much about it. But whereas... I know a good amount of about JoJo's. So I was like, all right, let's watch that. All right. So you're going to be the expert. You're going to be uh, correcting me whenever I make an error here. Yeah. Now, I'm going to warn you, anybody who listens to this show, I'm not great at pronunciation. I'm, I'm going to be especially awful today trying to pronounce all these Japanese names. So I apologize way in advance. So JoJo's Bizarre Adventure was published by Shuisha. Does that sound right to you? Uh, Yeah. Uh, the original manga series was written and illustrated by Hirohiko Araki. 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 You're close enough. <laughs> and it was in uh, it was weekly in Shonen Jump, published from 1987 to 2004, and then it became monthly for Ultra Jump in 2005. And everything I read says this series has sold over 100 million copies. Yeah, this this series is super popular. Which is crazy to me because uh, I don't think there's an American comic that, well, when you say 100 million copies, they don't mean one particular issue. So I'm sure there must be a X-Men or something in America that combined has sold over 100 million copies. But that's still, uh, that's a pretty darn impressive feat. Yeah. A lot of his influence came from uh, 1980s artwork, Western artwork, classic paintings, and role-playing games. One of his biggest inspirations was a french artist named paul goggin who i have no idea who that is maybe you do yeah i don't i'm not super into like the art world so i had no clue that guy was <laughs> and uh we're gonna be specifically on uh the uh, run of stardust crusaders which i believe was the third run of the comic but the second series of the animation if i'm not mistaken yeah I don't know if, uh, that is correct okay and it also, what uh, I understand, it follows the adventures of the Joestar family. Is that also correct? Yeah, it does. Okay, perfect. So I'm not, I'm not doing too bad, except uh, some of my pronunciation. Yeah. And so, in Viz Media, they are the English publishers of the comic book as well. Now, would you say this is your favorite, or is there a specific reason you decided that this is the one we're going to talk about? Uh, I think I chose Stardust Crusaders because it's just the easiest to get people into the JoJo's overall with Stardust Crusaders. But my personal favorite is part four, which is Diamond is Unbreakable because I feel like the series is kind of like a slice. It kind of gets into like a slice of life kind of each few episodes is like its own adventure contained for the character. Whereas right. this one's one big overarching adventure. One complaint I've heard about comics over the years, uh, especially from a lot of younger people, is that it's hard to get into because some of these comics have been going for so long. There's not a really good jumping on point. Would you say this is something you have to read from the beginning or is there pretty much any of the series you could jump on? No, you could probably jump in about at any point you want. Uh, And I'd have to ask. uh, So you're obviously uh, very young, uh, especially for my show. uh, Is uh, school and kids your age? is, uh, Is this stuff as popular as everybody tells me it is? Oh, yeah. It's super popular. So we're going to go to the uh, animation. Like I said, this was uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, the name of the uh, anime itself. Uh, But we're going to Series 2, which is Stardust Crusaders. 
the comic Stardust Crusaders was published March of 1989 to April of 1992. So this is based on something that <laughs> well, well before you were ever born. I found uh, that they had to edit it heavily, apparently, for some of the American publications because there was a lot of violence towards animals, they say. I only have the American version, but from what I remember, there's like there's a few animals in the show that have like the abilities. Apparently, uh, a dog gets decapitated in one of the original Japanese. Versions. So in part one, actually, the main character's dog gets thrown into a furnace. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess, I mean, that's slightly better than the dog being decapitated. But Yeah. All right. So we're going to be talking the first episode of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Star Crusaders, the man possessed by an evil spirit, which is to me a pretty lame title for an episode. I can only assume in Japanese it sounds better than, and that's not a direct translation, maybe. I would hope it sounds better. I have it because on Netflix they don't show you what it says in Japanese. So, so the first episode, like the man possessed by an evil spirit, it aired uh, originally in Japan, April fifth, two thousand and fourteen. Broadcast on Tokyo Mix, David Productions was the company that produced it. There was a uh, American-based website called Crunchyroll that actually was streaming it like literally within hours of it airing in Japan. So you could get it here in America, not dubbed. So I'm not sure if they had subtitles or uh, what. Yeah, I use Crunchyroll still, right? I use Crunchyroll right now. They uh, they do simulcast, excuse so me. That's, that's still a thing, Crunchyroll. Yeah. But then they released an English dub on Adult Swim July 30th, 2017. Well, which is, I should say, the date of this particular episode, not the cartoon in general. So The Man Possessed by an Evil Spirit, it's directed by, uh, here we go again, Nakas- Nakosu Tsada. He directed it and written by Yoshoko Kobayashi. So, which is pretty good uh, for me. Um, now, normally I give the credit as credit is due, but uh, Hirohiko, he, inv- he created every character, so I don't have to give a lot of creative credit for every character. We're going to go over some of the voice acting. I'm going to do something different. This time, I'm going to credit the voice acting for both the Japanese and the American version. Now, our main character, Jotaro Kuju, I believe is the pronunciation. It's Jotaro Kujo. <laughs> Jotaro Kuju. And again, I'm... I'm pronouncing these the best I can. Uh, his voice um, in Japan was a Dasuki Ono. Did a lot of work in uh, anime uh, voice acting. He had vo- done voices on Black Butler, Bleach, and he was Silver the Hedgehog on Sonic the Hedgehog. You familiar with any of those uh, animes? I'm watching Bleach right now, but I'm watching it in English. So uh, Matthew Mercer voices him in the uh, English version. He does a lot of voice acting of English dubs of anime. He had worked on both Attack on Titan and I believe he worked on One Piece as well. Um, I got to say, um, just not to sidetrack, I'd say One Punch Man, Cowboy Bebop, and One Piece seem to be the three things I hear the most about. Definitely Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is usually like a, people recommend that as like your first anime to get, to get into it. Joseph Joestar, which I believe is a, was a character from the first series. Is that correct? Yes, he's from part two of the show called Battle Tendency, and that follows him. And he has a adorable name because he's from America. Yep, and uh, he's the only character I could find that said was based on anything where the hero says that he's based on Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah, Kirihiko does talk about that. Um, in the mangas, they come with an interview in the back, and he talks about basing him off of that. Okay, and he's voiced by, uh, here we go again. In Japan, it's a new show, Ishizuka. And he uh, was Professor Oak on Pokemon. Is Pokemon too early for you? Or? I watched the original Pokemon, but I watched it in English. So I was way too young to even think about reading subtitles <laughs> at that age. And he voiced Jet Black on Cowboy Bebop. And uh, his voice in the American dub version is Richard Epcar, who uh, was the voice of Raiden in some of the Mortal Kombat games. He's also the voice of the Joker on both video games Injustice, God's Walk Among Us, and Injustice 2. Mohammed Avdal, who is voiced by uh, Kenta Miyaki. Uh, he's also from many, many, many anime projects. He did Attack on Titan. He uh, voiced Transformers Prime. He was on one called, I believe it's Rock Lee and Ninja Pals. 
That's a spinoff of uh, Naruto. Uh, <laughs> and a uh, Chris Tergelafera does his uh, English dub. Uh, Dio, who barely appears on this episode, but uh, Takahito Kayasu does his voice in Japan, and Patrick Selt does the English dub. There's a lot more characters in the show, but I only focused on the characters that appeared on this episode. Rounding out the cast, Holly Kujo, who in Japan is uh, voiced by Reiko Takaji, and she had done voices on Soul Calibur, Love Hina, and Divergence Eve. The American uh, dub version, uh, Julie Ann Taylor does her voice, who had done uh, Love Hina, the English dub, and... uh, Practice Kiss, I believe, is what I wrote here, but I can I can, I can't even, I write so fast sometimes I can't even read my own handwriting. <laughs> and I noticed when uh, I was looking this up on Netflix, they said new episodes available. So is this cartoon? Is this animation still going right now? Yeah, they're actually producing part six right now, which follows Jotaro Kujo's daughter. Another thing that always fascinated me about anime is every time I talk to someone who's fans of it, they always say how. Uh, Oh, yeah, they're on episode like 378. It, it seems like they have so many episodes. One Piece is like the longest running anime right now, and I think it's over a thousand, I'm pretty sure. My, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> and every time I go to Newberry Comics, I swear the manga section is bigger and bigger than the American comic book section. Oh, yeah. I, I think I have a few like normal comic books in then, but mostly I have like all uh, manga. All right. I hope you forgave me all on that uh, pronunciation. So, we're going to take a break. During the break, we're going to watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, A Man Possessed by an Evil Spirit. And we're going to talk about it when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Morning. The following offer is for mature audiences only. Exciting. Mysterious. Intense. Graphic. Provocative. Raw. This is no ordinary animation. This is the exotic, bizarre, and beautiful world of Japanese anime. And this is your invitation to enter with the modern classic, Akira. Critics say Akira makes Blade Runner look like Disney World. It's action-packed, the future of animation. Siskel and Ebert call it the video pick of the week. Akira is yours for only $4.95 with subscription when you order the best of Japanese animation collection series. With these state-of-the-art sci-fi classics, you will enter a world beyond imagination, a future out of control, and an experience you will never forget. Don't say we didn't warn you. Call 1-800-414-4422 now to order Akira for only $4.95 plus $3.79 shipping and handling. Future volumes are $19.95 plus shipping. Mature audiences only. Something evil is lurking in this town. In a gruesome chain of horrific incidents, the death count has risen to seven. A catastrophic danger is closing in as we speak. (laughs) What the hell? Who let you in here? Great. I'm in the mood for a brawl. Back off if you know what's good for you. This kid's power is unreal. You think you've won, but he'll be here to butcher you into bloody pieces soon enough. Who is he? Oh, you'll find out. He's the one who gave me this power. There's someone out there who can bestow the power of a stand? My moment has finally arrived. Say goodbye to this world. You are not getting away! If you want to piss me off, keep running! JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Diamond is Unbreakable. Premiering August 18th at 1230. You and your prissy-ass hair are getting ripped apart! What the hell did you just say about my hair? Only Toonami on Adult Swim. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... Oh, she's dead to go, she's dead to go. 
just watched jojo's bizarre adventure stardust crusaders a man possessed by an evil spirit this is the first time i'd ever seen this before but have you seen this before now oh Uh, yeah i've watched the whole series through we open up in the middle of the ocean where it says it's 1983 and we're on a boat off the canary islands the northwest coast of africa now before we get into it, this kind of common, cons- nah, I'm not concerned, a common complaint I've heard a lot about anime. A lot of people have complained, and sometimes I agree with this, that a lot of the animation style tends to look the same from anime to anime. What do you think of that criticism? Uh, I can definitely understand it. Some animes I do watch, <laughs> they kind of look pretty similar. But what I like about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, um, each season has a different animation style because um, Araki changes how he draws each character in every part now you said that we should start with stardust crusaders which is actually series two so i'm not complaining but why did you decide that we would start here instead of at the very beginning so the most common complaint about the part one is that it's boring and it's kind of slow which i understand i personally liked it but um part three is generally it's easy to get into and i i feel like you don't need to watch the first two parts before you watch it because it kind of gives you a good rundown of what's going on and who everyone is yeah i'll say uh not to get ahead of myself but uh i never felt lost watching this like i was like like i was missing big pieces of the puzzle it it pretty much was very narrative and explained everything in the point where i felt like i didn't suffer from not seeing the previous series so like i said uh in the middle of the uh northwest coast of africa there's a boat and they pull up a giant chest that says the treasure it's been at the bottom of the ocean for a hundred years and now it's ours and i'd say it looks more like a coffin really than a treasure chest yeah that's because that's what it really is <laughs> and in fact one of the guys says it looks too long and narrow to be a treasure chest he just says to do your job and get it did you notice these guys all seem overly muscular i gotta say even the fat guy seemed like he had muscles to spare yeah that that's the first three parts, uh, Araki really liked his muscular characters, but part four and five, they got to get slim and kind of normal size. The guy says it's bizarre because it looks locked from the inside, which I don't know how something looks locked from the inside, but, um, but the one guy is very anxious. He's like screaming, you know, who cares? Just open it. <laughs> he's excited to get in there. He notices there's writing on it. It says D-I-O, D-O. Probably not Ronnie James D-O from Black Sabbath fame, but of course that guy doesn't care. He just wants it open before the sun goes down. <laughs> now is D-O, is that something mentioned or something from anything previous to this? So D-O is the main villain of part one, and he's actually the one who throws the dog into the furnace. So. Then we switch to a voiceover that, this part sounded a little weird to me because I don't remember there being a voiceover at any other part in the episode, but that they found the boat adrift, abandoned, undamaged, half-drinking cups of coffee in a chest that's open that is empty, which uh, baffled many because it looked like there were uh, containers in there, but after a while it just got forgotten about. And then it hits us. Stardust Crusaders pops on the screen. So this is kind of the, the, I wouldn't say beginning credits, but like that was the intro to the show. Usually, since it's the first episode, there's not going to be like a musical intro or anything like that, but usually there is. We jump to 1987 Japan and uh, they're talking about Jotaro. We'll just say the name so I don't butcher it. Jotaro Kujo. <laughs> Jotaro Kujo. <laughs> who's, uh, he's a 17-year-old son of a Japanese jazz musician. And his mother, who is uh, American, his uh, friends, they just call him, uh, well, you discover when his mother's talking to the police that uh, his friends call him uh, Jojo, which is a combination of his first and last name, which the cop says is really lame. Um, And then (laughs) the mother's hysterical automatically jumps to the conclusion that uh, (laughs) Jotaro has killed somebody. Some people think she's annoying in the series, but I, th- I think she's nice comic relief in the first few episodes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a 
hold that thought because there's some moments with her that genuinely later on <laughs> made me laugh out loud. But um, they said that he doesn't, he didn't kill anybody. Relaxed. And he got into a fight with uh, four punks with nunchucks and knives, and he broke fifteen bones and busted their balls. <laughs> I I don't know why she needs to know specifically how many bones they broke, but you know, what the hell. Uh, but they they say that uh, he needs to be shown the severity of what's happened, and then Holly says, "Okay, she's I, she's great. She <laughs> the first few episodes that she I, she actually makes me laugh. <laughs> she seems to just go from hysterically sobbing to just like a happy schoolgirl, even though it's established later on she's in her forties. Yeah." They're going to take him to a holding cell. On the way there, he comments about how good her Japanese is, because apparently she's lived in Japan for 20 years. They talk about how they're overrun with criminals. Um, they might have to let some go. And uh, she runs to the cell at the end of the hallway, which is a scene I found bizarre, because she starts having visions of him as a child throwing a ball. and uh, That part know, in, like, the, in the anime definitely is weird, because that's where it starts out, and the manga is just like, Jotaro as a child and just showing him growing up. So I don't get why they threw it in there. <laughs> and when he shows, he's got quite the outfit on. I don't even know. How would you describe the outfit that uh, Jotaro is wearing, or Jojo is wearing? <laughs> it's supposed to be his school uniform, but like modified for him. But I I never like could just see it as like a school uniform. I never got it. And the collar is so high that it looked to me like sometimes it was a cell phone. <laughs> But it's actually just his collar. <laughs> the way his hat sits and like he, the hat doesn't have a back and it's kind of just like his hair in the back. It looks so weird. I thought that part is always just funny in the character design. So she's all worried, asking if he's all right. And then <laughs> he says, shut up and get out of my face, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a staple of uh, Jotaro, whatever he's talking to his mom. He is very Which, vulgar towards her. <laughs> once again, she says, okay. <laughs> She's saying that uh, to the cops, he's sweet. He can't be capable of this. And uh, he yells and tells her to leave that uh, he's staying right where he is because he's been possessed by an evil spirit. And uh, it makes him do things. He had to hold back in that fight where he broke the 15 bones. And uh, they ask him if uh, she's sure he's not mentally ill. Then out of nowhere, like three other guys, they uh, charged the bars. Apparently they were in there and I didn't see them at first glance at Jojo is not kidding, not kidding, not kidding. <laughs> he is, in fact, possessed by an evil spirit, and they got to let him out of here. Then uh, he's got a beer can, <laughs> which it was Panna Norin Lager is what it said on it, which he shotguns, and they're all appalled at how he got this beer in the, in the first place. Um, he says that it, uh, the evil spirit brings him things, which includes a boom box and a, apparently a manga comic book. He does have Shonen Jump. Apparently the, uh, his evil spirit has good taste in what he likes to read. <laughs> Talk about some, uh, shameless, uh, self-advertising in your own comic. Yep. So he's going to show them how dangerous this evil spirit really is. So this, uh, ghost hand comes out of his hand and, uh. The arm grabs the cop's gun right out of his hand, and uh, he's going to show him what's up. He puts the gun right to his head and fires. Not even, like, hesitation. Just bam. He just knows that spirit's going to grab that bullet, and I wouldn't be that trusting. You see that the hand on a close-up has actually caught the bullet, and he drops it and does, like, a mic drop, but with the bullet right in front of him. Holly says something to the effect of uh, his grandfather, Joseph, also has strange powers. And then, like, some writing appeared on the screen, which I can only assume uh, they were going to a commercial break at that point. Bro, yeah. There's, sometimes there's weird cuts in the anime that they don't, like, edit out or anything. So it does, it's just, like, an awkward kind of thing, especially yeah. when you're just binge-watching the series. Yeah, if you don't read Japanese, then you don't even know <laughs> what you're looking at. Sometimes so go, they put a little subtitles on there, but... Yeah, I noticed that that sometimes there was a subtitle, and then sometimes none whatsoever. Now, uh, we go over to the new Tokyo airport where we get our first glimpse at uh, Joseph Joestar. And uh, he's got like this big, long trench coat hat. Holly runs up, gives him a hug. He says how he crossed the globe for her. 
And uh, he had to lie to his wife about why he was coming, which he finds hysterical. He laughs his ass off. <laughs> uh, in part four, they, they explain why his wife isn't so trusting. And notice he's like, I swear, he's like 10 feet tall, by the way. Everybody he dwarfs over in this entire cartoon. Oh, yeah. They're, uh, they're all like just six foot, but they look giant. <laughs> like, I didn't think much about it with her. I figured she was petite. But then later on, he's towering over the, the police officer. <laughs> Uh, he starts yelling at her because she's hugging him too long. And then in a bizarre uh, scene, he starts, she starts tickling him. That was a weird scene. <laughs> Even for me, I was like, all right, this, this went on a little too long. Um, he says, are you sure? He said evil spirit. And then she starts breaking down again. You know, her, her bipolar personality of happy one minute uh, hysterics. The next. Um, he says that uh, she was the only one who could see it. And then he says, let's go. And uh, he snaps his finger and you see this uh, mysterious figure. You kind of see him from behind or his feet wearing a big red cloak. But he's obviously with Joseph. So we go back to the jail and the jail cells like a, an apartment. He's got like tables, chairs, lamps. He's even got a little remote control car in there. Yeah. So like when they kind of start to explain the sense, it doesn't make sense how he gets it. But it's still, it's still pretty funny. So I don't really mind it. Uh, the cop's very concerned this is going to cause him to to lose his job. Um, I'm not sure why. <laughs> Who really cares if he's got all the stuff in his cell? <laughs> he says he's going to take his grandson home. And this is when you really did notice that Joseph was like a foot taller easily than everybody else. He, in fact, picks up both cops at the same time and throws them across the hallway. Of course, uh, Jataro doesn't even know who he is. They have like a stare down. Um, he tells him to get lost. And he says that you can't help me. Apparently, he doesn't even know that he's uh, his grandfather. Because I think uh, Holly says it, and he's actually surprised. And he says that uh, you can't help him. And he's not even show what he does. And he pulls off the pinky of Joseph's prosthetic hand. And uh, he says he didn't even see it or feel it. So is that a reference to something in series one? Or is that... Uh... So in part two in Battle Tendency, Joseph loses his hand in the fight with like the main villains it's right at the end though so it's not like he just randomly loses it in the middle of the show so uh he says the only way to explain it he's gonna have to show him and uh jataro's gonna have to experience it physically and then uh abdal muhammad uh he's the mysterious figure that was with him he's an his egyptian friend he um tells him to get him out of the cell he says that uh he's not gonna go anywhere but uh things are gonna get rough and uh, his son might be riddled with pain, begging to be let out when he is done. Again, Mohammed, is this a new character for this series, or they have, has he been introduced previously? Abdal, this is his first introduction to the series. All right. And then uh, Joseph tells him, do what you got to do. And the cop starts speaking up, and this line generally made me laugh, where he says, zip it, pig. <laughs> it's kind of a callback to the for his like where he's the main character in that one because he doesn't have like in the first episode it shows him like fighting cops off of someone who like steals a wallet because like he just stole it and he's fine so it's a bit of a callback i always thought pig was like an american slang for uh police but apparently it's universal <laughs> well he is an american so it does make sense <laughs> that is true and the cops just say yes sir they don't they don't even like get mad about it they just like just they obey I don't know if I'd step up to a giant muscular man that's <laughs> standing over me by at least like two to three feet. Especially when you're dealing with a apparent evil spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Mohammed gets like engulfed in like giant flame. And this was pretty awesome animation with this giant muscular guy with like a bird head flies out of him breathing fire. It was pretty awesome. I got to say. That's definitely like why I chose this part is because of the stands are just look super cool. And just the, I think like their abilities are really cool. I believe he said the stands name was a uh, magician red. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. And he's pretty awesome looking. I got to say, just picture like a super Jack guy with like a giant bird head. Yeah. He pins him against the wall with fire, which the cops can't see, but they observe it's getting much hotter in here. His uh, spirit breaks out, which I don't know how to describe it. He looks kind of like him, but he's like kind of this bluish purple, and uh, he's like super jacked as well. And he actually uh, uses it to uh, grab Muhammad by the throat. 
He says he was going to take it easy on him, but say the word and he'll use such force that his grandson will end up in the hospital. Joseph once again says, do what you got to do. So he says that uh, the fire is restricting his breathing, which is uh, causing the evil spirit to weaken. But he says it's not actually an evil spirit. It's a powerful vision created by his own life force. So uh, they kind of, uh, for anyone who has just joined in, explains that there stands and kind of what's going on at this point. He says he's staying in here because uh, this is going to stop him from hurting people if he's uh, he's in there. And uh, finally, uh, he uh, <laughs> he's going to smash the bars, which the cop says is destruction of property. He's going to cause him to put out the flames. And he told him that he had his chance. Don't say I didn't warn him. And like, yeah, he literally like bends the bars like they aren't even there. He uh, breaks the bars into these giant, almost turns them into big sharp objects that he's going to stab him with. Uh, but right when he does it, Mohammed turns his back and kind of makes it disappears and all the fighting seems to stop. Which then he says, uh, you know, why did you turn your back on me? And uh, Mohammed says to Joseph, well, he's left the cell. I did what you told me to do. He says that it's uh, stronger than expected. And uh, says, don't underestimate the power. They're going to actually leave at this point. So they're going to leave the jail. They need to leave the jail, in fact. And he says how uh, they all have this, they have the same power, basically that of Muhammad and, uh, what, what, pronounce that name for me? <laughs> Jodora. Jodora. They both have the power and they're going to leave. So we, we switch to them at a little cafe with beer and wine. <laughs> this part <laughs> made me laugh so far. Uh, Holly is thanking Joseph so much and hugging uh, Jojo and Jojo says, <laughs> Uh, why are you such an annoying bitch? <laughs> Which genuinely made me <laughs> laugh really hard. And then her response is, uh, I don't know. She is, she's a great character. Which just pisses off uh, Joseph saying, uh, stop smiling and encouraging this behavior. Which she breaks out another, okay. They ask how he knows everything, and he says it's the legacy of the Joe Star family. He shows him pics of the coffin, you know, from the opening scene. And there's a flashback that his grandfather died at sea, and we see a boat looks like it's, you know, I'd say somewhere uh, 16, 1700s, his boat. Oh, Def- yeah. Part one is set in the 1800s, so you don't expect any, like, high-tech things. It's uh, Joseph's uh, grandfather who died at sea with that coffin there. And, uh, and he knows what's in it, and they're trying to locate it. <laughs> this was particularly ridiculous where Joseph says how the person in the coffin is uh, Dio. He's pure evil. And then he like screams, like, our fate is to fight this man. <laughs> Screaming it in the restaurant. <laughs> this whole show is just super over the top like that. And that, that's what like makes me love it. Yeah, he was like loud, and he got louder. <laughs> he wanted everybody to know that he was going to fight Dio. And uh, <laughs> JoJo just says uh, that story is so lame. <laughs> and uh, he calls him an old man, which really, really does not sit well with Joseph. He is like shaking, even though uh, he's not even talking to him, because JoJo starts talking to uh, Muhammad instead. <laughs> Which uh, he says that he's one arrogant bastard. And I uh, can't believe I th- you think I would fall for this. Which Muhammad says that, you know, the evil spirits, are they any more unbelievable than uh, what we saw? So at this point, uh, this was, <laughs> this next scene was really weird to me. <laughs> where Joseph's going to prove his point. He, he pulls out a Polaroid. <laughs> now I got to ask, you're 15. Do you even know what a Polaroid is? Yeah, it's the it's the camera you take a picture with, and then it comes up the the front of it, right? You got yeah. to shake it, and then you can see what it took a picture of. Um, even though recently I read that uh, the creator of it has said that shaking it actually isn't, even though everybody pulls it out and shakes it, you're actually not supposed to do that. It actually can damage the print. I read. Oh, I had no clue. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> he puts the Polaroid on the table, and. Uh, 
<laughs> he does this karate chop where his hand like thorns grow out of it and it's like like comes magic and he <laughs> he smashes the polaroid <laughs> but it takes a picture at the same time yeah that's his that's his stand his stand is probably like the lamest stand in the whole series Says, but it's useful uh, for that situation. <laughs> it can reveal visions uh, from our destiny, but <laughs> every time he does it, he breaks a 3,000 yen Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> you think that, first of all, I don't know how the picture still takes because he just smashed the camera with his hand. It's it's sustainable, don't worry about it. <laughs> and couldn't he get a cheaper camera and just smash that? <laughs> he does it with TVs, so I don't know why he is forced to get a Polaroid. So basically he has to destroy something of technology that will show the the what what if he had gotten this power before like the techno like before TVs and cameras existed? Like how would you see the visions of the Destin? So the first JoJo from part one has like the same ability, but at that point that whole power hasn't it's at that point in the series it's Hamon, which is sunlight energy that they learn and then once it hits part three that's when stands get introduced so technically they're in part one and two but they but they don't have them um does his stand show up like the others two or is it always just thorns growing out of his hand and smashing three thousand yen camera <laughs> so his stand isn't like an actual stand it's herbit purple and it's just it's just the thorns like he can use it to like swing around like he's spider-man that's about it and what i'm gonna do right now which i should have done before we started recording I'm going to see how much yen is in American money. Isn't I'm pretty sure like 100 yen is a dollar. So, so that's like a $300 camera. It says 30,000 Japanese yen now would be $263.09. But that's in 2021. This takes place in 1987. So it's got to be worth a lot more than $263. So then the manager comes. He's like, is there a problem here? He's all worked up, and they say, uh, just run along. Everything's fine. And then he just says, oh, of course, and walks away. <laughs> they say they're going to reveal the Polaroid, once it develops, is going to reveal JoJo's destiny. While it's developing, he gives an explanation about how they all have a, a birthmark on the back of their neck that's shaped like a star. And uh, when the camera finally develops, you see the photo is of Dio. And he actually has the same birthmark. <laughs> this is another great moment where uh, apparently this was news to, to Joseph because he yells, that son of a bitch. He took over my grandfather's body. <laughs> the, the English acting is just, it's so great in part three. <laughs> How they haven't been kicked out of this restaurant at this point <laughs> with this fool screaming his head off left <laughs> Well, are you going to walk up to that giant man to be like, can you like get out? He's obviously, he just smashed the camera while he was in there as well. They say that uh, once the boat had blown up back, you know, a hundred years ago, that's when uh, the coffin with Dio had uh, crashed into the ocean. So apparently that's why he's got the birthmark because he's taken over, which would be Jojo's great grandfather's body. Yeah, Jonathan Joestar. And they're all connected to Dio's rebirth. He even apologized. Even though he went on a two crazy rants destroying a camera, he does say he's sorry that he sprung this on Holly at the last minute. So then uh, we switch over to Dio, who's asleep in this dark bedroom. He got this intense feeling that he's being uh, watched. And he says it's this body that has connected him to all of this body's offsprings. You also see there's a dead woman on the ground that uh, looks like she had, I don't know if they're bite marks or what it is exactly, but she's bleeding from the neck and uh, I think from the from the face of the arm. So Dio's actually a vampire, which is set ah. up in part one. That's why they have the hormone or sunlight energy is to defeat the vampires. He uses like his fingers and he like stabs them in the neck. And then that's how he like drains the life force. So I thought vampires when I saw the puncture mark, but it wasn't really referenced in the episode. So I wasn't sure if I was jumping to the wrong conclusion. Oh yeah. You got to watch part one for that. He Dio says that, uh, that this must be his fate that he's tied to them. 
But now his fate must be purged. And boom, dun dun, we go to the credits. And there you have it. JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, Stardust Crusaders, the man possessed by an evil spirit. There, my first, probably my, well, I don't know my, my first, but on the show, my first real deep dive into the world of anime. So I got to say, uh, it was definitely uh, different than what I'm used to, definitely different than the normal stuff we review here. <laughs> It definitely did make me, uh, well, we're going to get, we're not going to beat around the bush. We're going to go right into our spectrometer. Every week here on the show, we have the spectrometer where we rank what we just saw. Zero being absolute crap. Four spectros being, it just doesn't get any better than that. Alex, how are you going to rank JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, The Man Possessed by an Evil Spirit? I think I'm going to have to give it a three just because how well it introduces the new abilities and then kind of gets you hooked on them and also explains to everybody who's new to the series as a whole to get into the show. I think I'm going to give it a three too. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Didn't leave me confused or lost. Made me curious about another episode. I found the characters very entertaining. I loved uh, particularly Holly and, uh, and Joseph, the way they act. Animation with the uh, the stands is pretty awesome. So it makes me want to, see more with them hoping there's some more epic battles down the road there's a ton of them and especially in this part like right now this season it's kind of they start off a little basic but as you get on the later on in the show they kind of get more advanced and the abilities kind of get more out there but right now they're based on like tarot cards that's how they name them and then once you get to part four and up then they get named after like bands and stuff yeah i read that when i was reviewing but i didn't bring it up much because uh it didn't come up much in the first episode, but yeah, like Devo and Oingo Boingo were some of the names of characters, which they got, I believe some of those got changed in the English dub because of, obviously, I don't think they could get the rights to do so. Yeah, like in, uh, so in part four, I think the the main character stand is called Crazy Diamond. They have to change it to Pink Diamond. So there's a bunch of like that. But overall, yeah, I'm giving it a three. I, I uh, enjoyed it. I thought the uh, story was interesting. It was definitely different. Um, I was very entertained by Joseph and Holly especially. I thought the animation, especially with the stands, was great. My only complaint at all, I would say, is uh, I do find the style very similar to a lot of the anime. I, well, the very little anime I have seen, I found it very similar. But overall, I, uh, I enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a three as well. Now, normally I also ask, uh, 2021, if a kid came across JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, would they uh, enjoy it? But, I mean, you're a teenager, but you're still a kid, so I think the proof's in the pudding here. Well, how, I mean, at a younger age, were you watching this, or is this something that's more recent with you? It's more recent. I think I started watching, like, a year or two ago. So, I think it's more of, like, a teen demographic. So, it's not, like, the best for, like, younger kids, I feel like, just because you, you do have, like, the gorier bits i guess yeah i'd say it might be a little too intense for uh, a younger kid but obviously proof is in the pudding i mean they're not just popular in japan they're extremely popular here in america and obviously uh yourself is proof of that but i think a lot of it is the younger audience is really into this stuff yeah i might argue there's more kids in america into manga now than there are into marvel and dc comics oh yeah um the Demon Slayer manga, I think I read, outsold all of uh, the comic book industry out here, just with that single manga series. Yeah, and uh, uh, there was one point where, like, the top ten graphic novels, like, were I think were almost all manga stuff. Like, there wasn't there was like maybe one American comic that cracked the top ten. And even though I still enjoy the American market for the most part, I think if it wasn't for like the MCU and things like that, I don't even know if they would be as successful as they are. Oh yeah. I don't think like comic books would be anywhere near like super popular there as they are. If, like the MCU or anything didn't exist. What do you think of the current, I don't know if it's current trend, but I, I've seen and notice a lot of anime stuff getting like live action adaptations. What do you think about all that? Uh, I don't think anime really translate well into live action just cause how like over the top every character is and like, they're always doing like something super extravagant that like a human just can't really do. Like um, the new Cowboy Bebop one, like I saw like the one of the characters they try to do is like 
as like in the anime, the way that character is just doesn't really work as a human. Well, what did you think out there? Did you like uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure more than we did? Did you like it less? If you liked it less, no big deal. We can't take that away from you. If you liked it more than us, that's great as well. Uh, I always want to hear from you, so uh, let me know. If you liked it better than I do, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Spectra, or you can go to my Facebook page, Matt Spectra Through the Multiverse. It was definitely uh, uh, an interesting uh, dive into uh, something I'm not as familiar with, so that was pretty exciting to get out of my comfort zone, if you will. A lot of people like to plug something when they're here, but you're still a kid, so I have no idea if you would have anything you want to plug. No, I'm not really. I'm fine with just, I'm fine with staying low key on the internet. <laughs> I uh, that's probably a, a wise idea to stay as low key as you possibly can. I want to thank you for joining us this week. It was a real pleasure to have you. I hope you'll come back for another episode down the road. Oh, of course, any anime, I'll come back. I'll talk about whatever anime you want. And out there, would you like to hear us talk about more anime? Uh, there's something else you'd like to suggest? Like I said, always go to my uh, social media. Let me know. If you can also follow me on Twitter or like my Facebook page, I'd appreciate it. Smash the subscribe button to my podcast. Always a pleasure. Suggestions, anything uh, I want to hear from you, please let me know. Alex, before we uh, wrap this up, do you have any final thoughts on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? I think definitely if you are going to start the series, definitely start with the first part. No matter, like, if you do think it's boring, definitely just push past it because I think part two just brings it into such a a better point than part one. It's just so much more interesting. So just, just stick with part one overall, even if you think it's boring, just to get that story. All right. And I want to thank you all for joining us again. Uh, stay tuned in because we're coming up on December. And just like Halloween, I'm going to be doing a month of Christmas episodes. So stick with us on that. Let me know if you uh, have any what you want to see. But until then, stay safe. Happy holidays. And join us again next week for another exciting episode Mass Spectro through the multiverse. Excelsior!